Well, here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Kick and chase by Mullen. Kick and chase again by Mullen. It's a miracle. Welcome to the Racing and Sports Punters Pod where we help you find your edge in the ever intriguing world of sports betting. Jimmy Buckley here with you and I'm joined by the great Simon Dinopoulos. Welcome mate. Cheers mate. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, nice to see you've really leapt off doing the punters preamble, giving the people what they want (laughs) and we've now given you your own show. Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. We'll see how we go. Now, is it a bit cold in this studio here, Simon, or are they just the goosebumps? On my back after that magnificent intro that you've put together. Well done. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, had a, when you sent it over to me, I thought, well, I'm not going to get any work done on Thursday. And <laughs> I'm massively on the back foot now going into the back end of Friday. But yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun putting that together. And it's funny, sometimes the memory doesn't actually match the call. Like Shane Warne's ball of the century. That call is <laughs> it's horrendous. It's a bit dull. It's a bit dull, you yeah. know, but a lot of them in there. The Fatty Vorton, how about that one, Sturlo, is... That's iconic for me. Yeah, what a moment. Very good try, that, actually. Oh, hated it, but the call was good. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Uh, look, there's a fair bit to get through. Um, it is all happening in the world of sport right now. I think we'd better kick it off with uh, the big news overnight, that uh, Rafa Nadal, the, the greatest tennis player of all time, certainly based on number of Grand Slam titles, has a... A seven millimetre tear in one of his abdominal muscles, which has forced him to pull out of his semi-final against Aussie Nick Kyrgios, who has now walked on through to his maiden Grand Slam final, which I think a lot of us thought was probably never going to happen. Uh, Simon, I mean, how intriguing has this Wimbledon been for uh, for Aussie Nick? Love Aussie Nick. He cemented himself as Aussie Nick, although the the news that come out during the week has somewhat dented my love of Aussie Nick, especially if it's found to be true, but have been on the bandwagon all the way through. As mentioned, he's Aussie Nick when he's winning and he's Greek when he's not. But at the moment, Aussie Nick into the Grand Slam final, has beaten Joker before, assuming Novak just cruises through into the final, which is very, very short odds. But it will be great to see. But the media spin will be interesting. It's been a, a fascinating Wimbledon, I think. Plenty of, uh, of interesting storylines. And you mentioned there Novak Djokovic, almost prohibitive to advance in his semi-final against uh, the Englishman, in inverted commas there, the Englishman Cameron Norrie. Uh, but yeah, look, this sort of takes us to our first, uh, our first play, and I think there's a bit of value around this. Uh, at the moment, sports better offering $2.10 for Cameron Norrie to take a set off Novak Djokovic. Uh, now, just a couple of things here. Cameron Norrie, this is by far and away as far as he's ever progressed in a, in a Grand Slam. 
this is the South African-born chap from a Glaswegian father and a Welsh mother who grew up in Auckland and who attended college in Texas, I think it was. Uh, represents England, of course, like uh, most of these South African-born sports stars tend to do. Um, playing some very, very good tennis. He comes through a five-setter against the Belgian David Goffin. Uh, played quite well. It's his second five-setter so far in the tournament. Interesting. Now, Novak, we know, is Novak. He's now fallen two behind Rafa Nadal in the all-time tally. And I think his quest to become the greatest ever has been somewhat complicated by Rafa's uh, late career resurgence. Obviously now he has a big chance to pull one back on the Spaniard. But it's not going to be a cakewalk. Novak has dropped, uh, I think it's four sets so far this tournament already. He dropped uh, the first two in his quarterfinal against Yannick Sinner and he dropped a set in the fourth round against Dutch wildcard Tim Van Rithoven, who might be one to mark down in your black book, actually, taking a set off Novak in the fourth round as a wild card. He might be one, uh, one for, for the future. The, for the future, I think. Um, interestingly enough, Djokovic's last two appearances in a Wimbledon match against an English opponent, well, he's dropped a set against Kyle Edmund in the third round of 2018 before going on to win it that year. And then he dropped a set last year in 2021 against the wild card, Jack Draper, who was also British. I mean, I don't think we can draw straight lines there, necessarily. Novak <laughs> struggles to win straight sets against Englishmen in Wimbledon. There you go. I mean, it's a fact. It is a fact. Um, we know the Wimbledon crowd is anti-Novak, like most crowds are around the world. They're going to be up and about to try and get their boy through to a final. Maybe that's going to be enough... Uh, for him to take one off. We only need him to take one off, and at $2.10, I think that's not a bad play. That's on tonight. I think that, that kick-off time has been altered due to the the fact that Rafa and Nick will not be playing each other anymore. But I think two tens is not a bad price to have a go at that. Well, I mean, everyone loves a death ride Novak, so why not? <laughs> well, that's right. Well, Do you think even if he, say, surpasses Rafa eventually, that he's not going to be looked back on fondly, is he? I don't think he will. Unfortunately, no. I mean... He's got Cameron Smith vibes. You know he's the greatest, but no one likes you. <laughs> yeah, but at least Cameron comes across as a reasonable bloke Ooh, when he, he speaks in the press. Yeah, that is true. Novak, try as he might, I don't think, will ever win over the majority of tennis fans in terms of displaying that charisma that comes so naturally to the likes of Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal. Well, Fed's the king. Well, he's the king. Yeah. I still think he's the king. He, I don't think he'll ever be dethroned. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and he survived the curse of the Gillette ad. <laughs> which is biggest claim to fame, Roger. I wonder if Nick will get uh, get a Guernsey on the next Gillette series. Well, he, he has the slits in his eyebrows, so there's something there for Gillette to work with. There might be a chance. Uh, just just quickly, um, the women's final as well. We have uh, Ons Jabur, the Tunisian, I think. Uh, at a dollar sixty-three to take down Elena Ribakina, who is the fourth lowest-ranked player to reach a Wimbledon women's singles final since nineteen eighty-four. As always, I think punting on women's tennis is uh, fraught with danger. You think it is? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, that, that should be a good match. In any event, Simon, we move on. The NRL 
this week are rather decimated in our real round in the lead up to the third origin. Uh, but the racing and sports ratings have potentially found us a bit of value. Looking at it, Broncos v the Dragons on the weekend, we've got a decent edge in the early market. And whether or not, obviously, a large number of players out due to origin for Brisbane, but I think Ben Hunt is as big as out as any for the Dragons. And the gap between the two, we've got far greater. So we have Brisbane closer to $1.40 and the Dragons closer to three eighty. So the dollar seventy at the moment, Brisbane Broncos at home, Suncorp, Adam Reynolds is playing. He would be the biggest out for anyone if, for Brisbane and he's playing. So I think there's enough there to suggest, I mean, the Dragons aren't any good. They shouldn't have beat the Raiders last weekend at home. Now got to go to Suncorp. So for us, all the other markets were fairly tight. We couldn't really find an edge anywhere else, but that match certainly appeals on Sunday. So for the Broncos, no Payne Haas, no Corey Jensen, no TC Rabadi, Brendan Piercura, Kurt Capel, Selwyn Cobbo, Pat Carrigan and Thomas Flegler. So a weekend outfit, as you mentioned, no Ben Hunt. And that is quite quite huge. I agree. They were unimpressive, I think, in beating the Raiders in, in pretty ordinary conditions. Suncorp, obviously, a very difficult place to go, no matter what Brisbane side you get. And I agree. I think $1.70... Um, it's probably worth uh, paying to find out just uh, how big that gap is. I mean, they're having a pretty good season, the Broncos. Oh, very good. Doing very well. They actually are our fourth best team on how we do things, the Broncos. And they've always had that young talent. And, you know, don't get too cliche, but they needed a sort of rudder there to steer the ship. And Adam Reynolds has provided that and allowed those young players to really flourish. Katoni Staggs has been very quiet. I'm expecting a big game from him on the weekend. Obviously dropped from origin from after game one, game two. Couldn't get back into the side, no surprise. I was surprised he did get dropped, to be fair, but hopefully he can rebound off that. And Renko Lee, origin winning, grand final winning, centre. He's, he's still got it, Brenko. Big signing for the Dolphins. And looking at spine theory... I think the Broncos clearly have the edge on the Dragons for sure. Young halves for the Dragons. As mentioned, Adam Reynolds steering the ship. That's what the Dragons don't have with Ben Hunt not there. And I think if they get behind, they're going to struggle to get back into the game because I don't think Dragons can score points. Where if Katoni Staggs turns up, still got Corey Oates there. And Tessie News a talent, first game back since his injury. If he can get into some open space there, I think... The Broncos will certainly be hard to beat. There's more to like about the Broncos than the Dragons, certainly. You had me at spine theory, Simo. Yeah, love a bit of spine theory. Just quickly, can I grab your thoughts on Origin next Wednesday? We'll touch on that early next week uh, in a bit more detail. But can the Blues do it? Well, this is the job ahead for Nathan Cleary. The only time we've won deciders up at Suncorp, Ricky Stewart and Andrew Johns were steering the ship. We've lost, I think, seven of nine. So this is Nathan Cleary's chance to stamp himself, you know, in that league as one of the better halfbacks we've seen. I'm sure a lot of people already have him there, but I think a few people still have him as not ticking the big game box. Obviously, was very good in game two, but that all means nothing if you don't win the decider. So he gets his chance there. Maroons are going in pretty battered as well. They obviously gave up in game two, not a true reflection late in the piece. Munster's 
going in off an injury niggle. Ponga's going in off a head knock. You'd like to think the Blues can get it done, but yeah, it's over to Nathan Cleary because he's got to carry Jerome Luai, which as you know, <laughs> to me, he's Sean Rudder with a bit of flair. Well, there's a wrap. <laughs> he is. I don't, I'm so annoyed he scored that try in game two because I'd rather drop him, put Burton to 5-8. I would have brought Luttrell in, but he's very fortunate to have grown up with Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, because I'd say everyone at the Panthers is sick that they've kept him and lost Burton. Look, all I hope is that Burton is on torpedo duty. Oh, came down with snow on it. <laughs> all righty, let's, um, let's move on to a bit of a pet favourite of mine, Simon. Um, and it may sound a little bit strange to be saying this at the start of July, but uh, the club soccer scene over in the UK and Europe is slowly starting to wake up again. You have all sorts of things at the moment, such as European Champions League qualifiers, where you get the likes of you know the Lithuanian champions going up against the Kazakh champions and so forth, trying to determine who will advance to the group stages. Um, it's always worth keeping an eye on, on markets around such games because they are not as popular and, and quite often there is uh, a fair bit of disparity between the two sides, particularly when you know some of these teams need to travel hundreds, if not thousands of kilometres. This weekend we also have the start of the much maligned Scottish League Cup. I can tell you right now there aren't... Too many people walking around the streets here in Canberra discussing this one, but similar theory. I mean, you've been trying. <laughs> I'll do my best. I can just throw it out there. No responses thus there. far. Well, that's all right. We'll see if we can um, see if we can drum up a bit of interest again. There's occasionally you do find a bit of uh, a bit of value out there, and the reason being that the way the Scottish League Cup in particular is set up is that the first. Uh, four matches of each uh, of each Scottish League Cup, which effectively are treated as pre-season games. What happens is you, you, the teams break off into groups of five and they all play each other. And there's a huge gap between the top of this group and the bottom of this group. And Scottish football or soccer is, uh, as you know, Celtic and Rangers, and then a big gap to the rest of the Scottish Premier League. It's a chasm. It's a chasm. And then... That chasm just widens as you go further down the leagues. It's not all uh, rainbows and lollipops, unfortunately, for a lot of these clubs. But I think I've found something, and uh, I think we can play it. You know what? I can almost guarantee there isn't a sport podcast in the world that has labelled this as their... Luck of the week. Ooh, it's a big luck, all right. Well, here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Last season's Scottish Championship winners, Kilmarnock, travel north. Might even be tonight, I think, that they play to take on the Highland League champions of Fraserburgh. There is now, with Kilmarnock's promotion to the Scottish Premier League, there is a chasm of four divisions between these two clubs. Killy, I think they're paying $1.11 to win that game, and so they should be. Obviously, no value there. Uh, but I like the look of the halftime, full-time double. Kilmarnock, Kilmarnock, that's paying $1.52 right now with Sportsbet. Um, just a couple of things. Killy back in the top flight, they brought in former Aberdeen manager Derek McInnes at the start of this season, who duly led them to promotion back to the Premier League. It was a tight uh, tussle, as it turned out, but they 
managed to get there. They've made a few signings this off-season, and this is McInnes's first pre-season, I suppose, that he's had with the Killy boys. Uh, they're coming off a couple of friendly wins too. Full Kirk, who are in League One in Scotland, no surprises there. But they beat Charlton Athletic 1-0 more recently in a pre-season friendly, and I think that's uh, a solid effort. I mean, Charlton are an English League One team, and I would have thought that the majority of English League One teams would compete and if not probably beat the majority of Scottish Premier League teams. So they're up and about nice and early. Uh, Fraserburgh, I mean, they're, they're a, you know, a part-timers at best. They won the Highland League, fair play to them. Um, unfortunately for them, they lost to Bonnie Rigg-Rose, who won the Lowland League. Uh, Bonnie Rigg-Rose then went on to defeat Cowden Beath in the kind of the League 2 relegation playoffs. So they're actually going to be playing league football this season. There's a, just a gulf, a huge gulfing class here. And I think McGuinness is going to want to make a statement nice and early. So I think a dollar fifty-two there for your half-time, full-time double. That looks uh, like a fairly decent banker for the weekend, Simon. In racing terms, you mentioned the chasm between the two in class. Are we talking Group One to a fifty-eight? How big? How big a gap <laughs> is this? Uh, maybe maybe a Group Three to a fifty-eight. Right. Mm. So the dollar fifty looks value. Throw it in your multis. I dare say. Yeah. I dare say. If you want to play that slightly differently, I think you can get a dollar seventy on the both teams to score no market. Yeah. Assuming that um, Fraser are not going to breach that Kilmarnock wall at the back, but we shall see. And just finally, Simo, before we wrap things up, uh, and we like to, uh, you know, we like to look look around the traps and see what else there is available out there. I mean, you can bet on anything and everything these days. Can you what? And um, quite often, the bookies have it wrong. Or, or maybe to say that a little bit differently, they they throw up a market just for the sake of throwing up a market. And it's not necessarily been prepared with a great deal of thought. And we've found a couple this week. It's what we love. It's what we love. First and foremost, the, the next GWS Giants coach. Now, from what I can tell, this is a two-horse race between Mark McVeigh, who's kind of taking the reins at the moment in an interim capacity, and Alistair Clarkson, who is circling, I suppose, in the background waiting for his next AFL gig, having won, I think, four flags at Hawthorne as coach. Did all right. Did all right, and having said that he would pretty much coach any other team in the competition if the right job came up. So it's a two-horse race. At the moment... You've got McVeigh at a two dollar seventy five quote there, and you've got Clarko at a three dollar fifty quote. Oh, that's all right. In a two horse, what I'm calling a two horse race. I mean, bear in mind you've still got James Hurd in that market at eleven or twelve dollars, and he's come out recently and backed McVeigh to be the next coach. So you could probably scratch him off the list, mm. and you could probably scratch just about everyone else off that list. I don't know how much they're going to take. Oh, thousands. But maybe if you um. If you spoke to them and asked nicely, they might uh, be willing to take a fair bit of your uh, cash to invest in either of those two. Well, you can make it a free bet. Yeah, well, you could do, really. And, and it's simple enough to me. If they approach Clarko and he says yes, bang, he's in. Yeah. If, for whatever reason, he's not interested, then I think McVeigh, I mean, he's doing a reasonable job at the moment. We'll see how that finishes by the end of this season. But from all reports, I think they're quite happy with how he's going and he's very keen for the job himself. This reminds me of when we used to get mail for Neefel. Can't remember who the teams were, but the line was 90, which is a big line. And we got mail from the team getting the 90 start that their starting best six players were all out. (laughs) (laughs) 
And the line was covered at half time. <laughs> oh, no. And surprisingly, we weren't allowed to bet on Nifal anymore after that, which is disappointing. But Unbelievable. Yeah, the glory days. Mm. Yeah, well, the old create a new account days. <laughs> um, there is one more, just while we're on that theme here, which is next Liverpool manager. Now, this is a bit more long term. Yeah. Because I don't think Jurgen Klopp is necessarily going anywhere anytime soon. Certainly not uh, in the medium or the short to medium term, I wouldn't have thought. Just interesting how they've framed that market. You've got Steven Gerrard towards the top, $2.50, who is being groomed as the next Liverpool manager, almost to the extent that Michael Clark was being groomed to be the next Australian cricket captain 20 years ago. However, he's not favourite. Funnily enough, uh, Pep... Linders, the uh, the Dutch assistant of Jurgen Klopp, is actually a two dollar favourite in that market, uh, and I think I know why. Now he's the assistant to Liverpool. He's only he's only thirty nine years old, I think. He's had one head coaching gig before, and that was a second division Dutch club, which failed to win promotion, and he was after that removed from his position, and I think returned to Liverpool as an assistant. I can tell you right now that a club like Liverpool is not going to appoint a Pep Linders as a full-time replacement for Jurgen Klopp if and when he decides to move on. Mm. However... There's a chance he get fisted, <laughs> isn't there? there? This is this is what, what's happening here. Yeah. So for that bet to cash, all he would need to do is oversee, I think it's 10 games okay. in some kind of interim capacity. So... If we had a situation late in a season where Jurgen removed himself or, or was uh, was taken away by a, another club or was told in the very unlikely circumstance told to walk by Liverpool, you might have a situation where there are ten games remaining in a season. Young Pep takes charge in an interim capacity as the conduit between Jurgen and Stevie mm. G, who would presumably start in the next season. And there you go. Pep would pay yeah. in that situation. But like, only in that situation. Only in that situation. And and I doubt that would happen. I mean, Jurgen's not going to walk away mid-season, I wouldn't have thought. Liverpool are not going to sack the bloke mid-season. And were he to be pried away to another big club, I doubt that would happen, you know, with eight to ten games to go No, in a season. So there you go. I mean, that's that's effectively a one-horse race. Six yeah. to four about a one-horse race. Six to four about a one-horse race. Again, I don't know how much you're going to be able to get on that. And the only caveat is the, the little interim manager mm. stipulation. But not a bad bet to have sitting there in pending. Yeah, it's, it's all right to have in, in pending, I think. And it just goes to show you, it, it, is, it is worth keeping an eye on these little... They're almost novelty markets, mm. really, that, uh, that they like to put up. Just to get a bit of interest. I mean, the beauty of these markets is they're framing them off what we know as well. <laughs> That's exactly There's right. There's no data behind it. No, not at all. They're sitting around the office going, oh, who do we put here? So, yeah, it. I mean, the percentages are certainly in their favour, as they always are. They are. And, and what, what I do find, though, sometimes with these markets is quite often they'll post them and they'll just sit there mm. for, for months on end. It's as if no one can get on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's... Uh, but the GWS one, that's got me up and about. It's interesting, isn't it? If there's only two chances and favourites 275, well, that's got to be a bet. Well, there you go. Not too bad. Get on. 
Get on. Uh, all right, Simo, we better leave it there, mate. Uh, happy punting this weekend. Let's hope the Broncos can do us a, a bit of a favour. The baby Broncos. And uh, we shall delve into more Scottish League Cup action, no doubt, I would imagine, next week. Of course. It's been good having you on, mate. Thanks, mate. And we'll, uh, we'll see you all again on Monday. Sounds good. Enjoy the weekend.